From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Ah, hell yes. Thank you very much, Mr. Rob Brupolo. Cheese bags, Mike here with you. Happy Labor Day weekend, one and all. That's when I'm recording this late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Hope you're doing well. And, And look, I've said this before. It doesn't matter if you're in a union or not. If you're working your ass in day in, day out, doing what you do, hats off to you. Hardworking people regardless of uh, union affiliation, should be honored. So I tip my hat to you. Enjoy. If you have the day off tomorrow, kick back, grill some meat, drink a beer as we bid adieu to summer. You know, and parting in such sweet sorrow, but uh, I'm looking forward to fall. Family and I, we actually put up some uh, fall decor around the house today. I put up uh, these patio lights uh, that we usually do up around the front of the house uh for, they're going to be up until like the first uh, the weekend before thanksgiving and then it's christmas out the ass uh but it's kind of cool just to kind of chill out there with a cup of coffee or uh you know a mug of beer and enjoy the waning days of summer and there is a little bit of a coolness to the air uh football is back nfl kicks off this thursday college football this weekend some pretty decent matchups Kind of sucked to see Purdue uh, fall to Northwest. Was it no, no Penn State? I'm sorry, they fell to Penn State. My bad. Um, at at Ross Aid, that was yeah, that was bad, real bad. Run the ball, guys. Uh, and then uh, what was it? Ball State really got their ass kicked by Tennessee. But uh, it was nice to see Brian Kelly lose. Uh, and I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but uh, that was that was actually a pretty decent game, even though. Uh, Florida State just moments ago uh, practically crapped the bed and only lost because of an extra point miss. Got blocked. And uh, Florida State beats LSU on practically their home turf. So, yeah, there's one more game tomorrow night, I believe, Clemson. And is it Georgia Tech? You would think I'd write this stuff down before I started doing a podcast. But, uh, you know, not a bad weekend of college football. Unless, of course, your team lost. Also an important weekend because uh, recording this Sunday night, but today was my sister's, my youngest sister's birthday. I uh, talked to her, my other sister, and my and uh, her husband a little bit on the phone for about a little over an hour, just a little bit ago. She's doing well. I, it, it's kind of hard to think about that though. I remember when I was six, and I was the first of uh, the siblings to meet Kelly. And I just remember when she was a tiny little baby, and now she's a, a loudmouth adult living down in Florida, sweating her ass off, drinking pumpkin spice lattes for whatever reason. Uh, and I asked her about that. I mean, it's just like, okay, okay. I kind of get if you're north of the Mason-Dixon line and fall's coming and there's a chill in the air, okay, you get that uh, craving for a pumpkin spice latte. How do you psych yourself up to drink a hot beverage, a hot sweet beverage, uh, when it is sweat, just you sweat your ass off when you're in Florida. It's it's hot, it's humid, and uh, she just says, "I just I just drink the f out of it." That's it. She's it's it's almost like because I don't think she drinks as often as she used to, like the alcohol. So maybe that's her alcohol. Uh, we did get <laughs> we did get talking about some stuff. Uh, I hinted at a couple couple episodes ago that. Uh, I had uh, kind of a cathartic experience not too long ago. And uh, now I'm not going to share it in total with you here this episode. That is coming. Uh, 
I'm just waiting to see how a few other things play out. But uh, I was talking about some things, and you know, Kelly was asking how my job was, and I said, "It's all right. I'm doing okay." She goes, "You ever thought about getting back into you know broadcasting, uh, working news?" And I told her, and she said, "You don't even have to be a reporter. You can be a camera guy, right?" I'm like, "Well, okay, but I, I don't think my mindset is really built." For the newsroom there's there's kind of a culture there that's a little more progressive whereas i'm kind of the libertarian free thinking pain in the ass that uh would question a few things okay and i kind of brought this i told her my observation on some people that i know or know of rather uh who have been in the news game like uh you watch these television promos uh, you know, we, we dig deeper. We have reporters that uh, look through garbage bins and, uh, you know, access thumb drives. And we're we're practically detectives with cameras all around us. And yet, what do re reporters and newscasters do when they decide to get out of the game and uh, pursue another career? Nine times out of ten, they become PR spokesmen or women or uh, spokespersons. I guess you add an X to everything if you want to be uh, gender neutral. Uh, but but uh, they basically become PR people for it doesn't matter if it's a corporation, uh, a charity, or you know a government, a government entity. They become PR people. They, they're public relations. They promote an idea, a mission statement. And my mission statement is just kick the living crap out of a soapbox if somebody's standing on it. And uh, I, I just don't think I would have the right mentality for that. Uh, but it was it was a good conversation, and like I said, the uh, cathartic thing, we'll talk more about later. Uh, this okay, I am a football fan. I don't like Tom Brady because I'm a Colts fan. Uh, but the dude is basically going to go to Canton, and it wouldn't surprise me if they renamed a few things, like if they renamed it the the Tom Brady Football Hall of Fame or something. Because, uh, let's face it, he's been kind of successful, right? I mean, he's he's lived the dream. He's won seven Super Bowls. He's taken two different teams to the Super Bowl and hoisted the Lombardi quite a few times. Uh, you know, he's he's rich. He's successful. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got beautiful kids. Um, but there's been trouble in paradise lately. I mean, how old is this guy? He's 44. You know, earlier this year, he announced he was retiring. And I think everybody's like, oh, thank God. And then, like, weeks later... Yeah, I'm going to unretire, which okay makes no sense to me because if he can walk away from the game after like twenty odd years in the game, uh, take it, especially when you've had this much success. And um, I really don't go in for the celebrity gossip crap a whole lot, but apparently uh, he and Giselle are kind of arguing because she wants him him to spend more time with the kids. And it got to be so uh, uh, terse, I guess. And this is all second, third-hand information. I'm not saying this is what actually happened. I mean, this could be utter bullshit. I get it. Uh, there's been word that she's moved out of the house. And, you know, he was gone from training camp for quite a bit. And then people were like, well, maybe he's doing the Masked Singer. And I'm like, well, maybe he's not. Um, but uh, it was kind of interesting because you, you kind of think, well, okay, if Tom's got all this crap going for him, and plus, you know, if he retires, you know, he'll uh, he'll be doing football analysis for Fox. They got that contract. So he's already got a job waiting for him. 
that's going to pay him a buttload of money still. So the guy is never going to be wanting for anything. But he goes back into this after all these accomplishments, right? And you, you, you hear about Trouble in Paradise behind the scenes. And I kind of alluded to this before. You know, with guys like him and, and Peyton Manning and, and Drew Brees, there's that high competitive energy. What do you do when you walk away from the game? What do you refocus on? Because, I mean, you see him, you know, winning all the time on the field, but can you win at everything all the time? And you can't, really. And uh, last night, uh, you know, this was before I switched over to the Ohio State Notre Dame game. I, uh, you know, was going through Disney Plus, and they're putting more 30 for 30 stuff from ESPN on there. And I caught the one about Ric Flair, uh, who was just a genius in the ring. I mean, in terms of, you know, promoting himself. You know, cut, you know, cutting down his opponents with verbal barbs, just being this arrogant asshole, uh, but but also a great technician in the ring and selling things. And like, you know, not only would he look good, but he would uh, he would he wouldn't think twice to make his opponent look bad. I mean, he would make him look good, is what I'm saying. And you see all this stuff, and you're like, well, God, it, that's brilliant. But the guy has two ex-wives. Uh, you know, he had children that he rarely saw. Uh, unfortunately, he had a child uh, die at the age of 25 from a drug overdose. And, uh, you know, there's this, you know, the countless women he's been with. I mean, he said, you know, straight up, he's been with like 10,000 women. And we're talking like Wilt Chamberlain numbers here. Uh, and I guess that would be impressive if you are impressed with uh, a hand count such as that. But... You look at that, the personal relationships, the family stuff that he wrecked behind the scenes, uh, you know, the carousing, the uh, the constant drinking, uh, and all that because he loved wrestling. He was he loved being on the road. It didn't matter if he won or lost a match. He was out there performing. It didn't matter if people were cheering him or booing him. He was getting a reaction. He was getting attention from strangers basically and uh he forgot what was important or should have been important and you know it makes you kind of love the work ethic he had in the ring but also hate the guy at the same time because he could have been enjoying a lot more and it didn't matter if not everybody got to see that side of him and i'm not saying that you know tom brady is an alcoholic uh but it's it's food for thought man i mean like if you've if you've already done all this stuff, why not step away? Why not just you know enjoy what you have? And I think the problem is is sometimes with success you become so addicted to it that's all you got. And you know Tom Brady's forty four and he's got everything. I think you know maybe that's something he should really assess here. I mean, what's really important? You're already a lock for the Hall of Fame. You've already won a bunch of Super Bowls. You're already going to be uh, a top-notch analysis uh, analyst, actually, for uh, Fox Sports. You're going to be okay. But there's something in him that tells him, if I stop, I won't be okay. Something to think about. And I, and I kind of thought about this, too, because I was uh, looking at some of... Um, uh, the post about the uh, Taylor Hawkins tribute show. Six-hour show, by the way. Wembley Stadium. And uh, Foo Fighters were playing there. And basically, 
anybody that has had anything to do with rock music played there. Paul McCartney was part of this tribute show, as was uh, Brian May, Roger Taylor from Queen, um, you know, Edison, Wolfgang Van Halen was there jamming. You had Brian Johnson of ACDC. You had Lars Ulrich out there, Christy Hines of the Pretenders. And, and that was the thing. And, and his son is actually, you know, his, his preteen son's a great drummer. And, uh, you know, that would, that's what gets me is like he had a fit. He himself had a family. He had kids. And you talk to anybody in the industry, uh, the music industry, I can't remember anybody saying anything bad about Taylor Hawkins at all. He was a likable guy. He was a fun-loving guy. And he was a hell of a drummer. I got to see him, uh, thankfully, four years back. And uh, Foo Fighters put on a great show, great, great amphitheater show, and he was just pounding the hell out of that drum. And uh, he, too, a guy who had pretty much life by the balls. You know, Foo Fighters, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, deservingly so. Uh, tons of money, tons of accolades, you know, family, friends liked him, but it wasn't enough, and... Well, unfortunately, he kind of backslid in some bad things. So, you know, it's nice to win, but you're not going to win everything all the time is what I'm getting at. And it, unfortunately, the extreme example would be with, you know, Taylor, uh, with uh, Tom Brady, who knows? I mean, you would think he's already got everything. Ric Flair, I mean, you would think that dude would have slowed down and kind of appreciated things, but... That's not how that always works. All right. Uh, I'm getting philosophical about people I don't know. Let's talk about shows I'm not watching. Mostly because, again, I've got three uh, streaming platforms. Disney+, Plus, uh, Paramount+, Plus, and Netflix. I do not have Amazon Prime. Uh, Ring of Power. Uh, the big thing for uh, Amazon Prime. Because this is basically a, you know, a Tolkien property. Based, uh, a kind of a unfinished concept prequel type of thing to Lord of the Rings. And uh, it's been the source of a lot of controversy because uh, it, it cost damn near a billion dollars to produce. So it's going to look good for sure. Um, remember when we used to bitch about um, James Cameron uh, going uh, $200, $200 million on uh, the budget with... Uh, with the Titanic, and now it's like a drop in the hat for Marvel to spend two hundred million dollars on a uh, on a movie. Um, but yeah, a billion dollars on this TV show on a small streaming service, and uh, you know, there's people talking about how it's a little more woke, and you know, they're doing things to send out what uh, I guess Critical Drinker would say is the message. Uh, he's got some pretty good analysis on TV shows and movies, I think. Um, I can't really review the movie because, or the movie, the show, because I don't have it. Uh, it would be wrong for me to say it sucks if I didn't see it, but, uh, there's been some controversy about it, um, because of review bombs beforehand. And, uh, it, so far looking at the streaming numbers for the first two episodes, I mean, it's uh record breaking for Amazon prime. So people are watching it. There are eyeballs on this thing. Uh, but the tail of the tape will be uh, continued high streaming numbers. Will people check it out the first episode more and more and more? Will there still be 
uh, people t uh, streaming upcoming episodes. Will these be healthy numbers? We'll wait and see. But Amazon Prime, uh, because of these are view bombs from you know anonymous people uh, who are just uh, doing whatever, they have shut down Amazon Prime any reviewing on their uh, services for Ring of Power, the Lord of the Rings uh, prequel. And I think that's pretty stupid. Um, and I think it's in reaction to some of these trolls. But then again, Rotten Tomatoes audience score has been pretty low. And there have been some other sites uh, that have... Uh, and I'm not talking about racist trolls. I'm talking about like you know actual reviewers looking at this going, Okay, this isn't as good as everybody's making it out to be. And here's why. And then there's the average user who might be a Lord of the Rings fan. And might have some legitimate qualms about the product. Because that's the thing. Everybody's got a rev uh, an opinion about a TV show or a movie. Um, I do. There are things that I love that other people do not love. And there are things that other people praise and say are great that I just roll my eyes and go, no, no, no. Um, but I think this is basically kind of a way to control the narrative. Whereas, okay... Uh, we can't have any negative reviews on our platform because we'll get review bombed. And uh, it kind of tells people, I get, not every, look, if you like Ring of Power, that's fine. But if you like Ring of Power and you've bought into this mentality that if somebody doesn't like what you like and you decide to call them racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever, you're just as toxic as anybody who is anonymous and racist because you've just pretty much got this predetermined notion of the show i mean let me put it to you this way i'm a huge fan of breaking bad and better call Saul. my wife cannot sit through an episode of either one because uh, it's too dark for her and that's fine that's fine our marriage is going to be seven years strong in october uh but then again we're not anonymous users flaming back and forth at each other are we uh, but again, I just think it's a, I think it's unfortunate that Amazon Prime's gone this way because I think fee fan feedback is appreciated. It might help them with future projects. There might be somebody out there that has a few good ideas or a few legit criticisms. But we can't have criticism nowadays, can we? Yeah. Uh, well, okay, I take that back. Uh, of most sci-fi pro. Um, properties there is one movie that's getting criticized quite a bit it's kind of funny and um it's the uh, upcoming movie don't worry darling um which is uh the olivia wilde movie right she she uh, directed book smart uh you know she's an actress she's been, she's had some success on tv and you know she directed book smart got some critical acclaim didn't do too well at the box office and now she's got this thing uh, which I remember seeing the trailer for when uh, uh, the missus and I went to go see Thor Love and Thunder. And I'm thinking to myself watching this, how is this not Stepford Wives? You know, I, <laughs> that's kind of what I had. Uh, but there's been some uh, controversy with this movie. Namely because her and uh, Florence Pugh have not been getting along. That's you know her lead actress who's also a pretty decent friend of Jason Sudeikis and uh, Sudeikis and Olivia Watt. I don't know if you heard, are on the outs. Um, so it went from, you know, 
Florence really wanting to work with Olivia to like they're not even talking like when there was a rap uh, and uh, Florence was on her uh, Twitter account or Instagram what one of those social sites you know she's thanking everybody that worked on the film Olivia Wilde's name is conveniently not there um, and then I guess Shia LaBeouf was um, involved with this movie for time before he was quote unquote fired. Well, it turns out paranoid, delusional Shia LaBeouf actually recorded a conversation between him and Olivia Wilde, and she was begging him to come back onto the set. And he just he he had complaints. They were arguing. Apparently, Olivia Wilde was not giving the actors enough time to rehearse. And uh, yeah, he uh, he said, "I need this, and I'm quitting." And she goes, "No, if you stay here, Florence, you know, she'll get a better performance." Blah blah blah. And that's not what happened. Um, and so she recasted him with uh, her uh, her musician boy toy, her uh, boy band boy toy, <laughs> Harry Styles, and uh, he's in the movie because again, he's sleeping with the director. And so you got all this going on, and people are already sick and tired of this movie. Uh, it was announced, I guess, uh, uh, one of the film festivals coming up here that uh, Florence Pugh will um, she will not take part in the press conference for this movie, but she will be at the red carpet. Basically, just you know, stand there, smile, twirl around, in whatever designer dress she's wearing, go into the theater, watch the movie, and then afterward get the hell away from Olivia Wilde. But uh, there was also, if this if, if if this shit wasn't enough to keep you away from the movie, here's um, something else that kind of made me kind of grip my teeth a little bit here. Uh, Olivia Wilde was talking about Chris Pine, her male lead. It, well, he's he's the villain in this movie apparently, and uh, she says that he uh, based his performance off of a uh, conservative firebrand uh, uh, Jordan Peterson. And that's where you kind of stop because, all right, you already know that this movie's got kind of a political theme to it, and then you got all this melodrama going on behind the, sh the scenes, and now you're saying, okay, yeah, uh, it's even more political than you thought. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you've already got, you've already got a pretty politically charged atmosphere this year, 2022. Um, you know, midterms, and you know, you know people are sick of high gas prices they're sick of inflation they're going back and forth on a whole bunch of social issues and you decide to put uh into the theater for about two two and a half hours of escapism uh basically stepford wives remake with jordan peterson in it and your cast hates each other and possibly hates you how do you think this is great marketing because it just isn't. It doesn't make me want to go see it. It makes me want to see this movie clean up at the Razzies next year. But it doesn't make me want to see the movie. And it's going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out again. Because uh, if this thing bombs, will they be, be will people actually ask, well, was it because Olivia Wilde didn't do this or that? Or are they going to be like, well, the audience wasn't ready for it. The audience was closed-minded. And, you know, that's one of those things where, too, your director, Olivia Wilde, has uh, kind of publicly flayed her ex. That's kind of a turnoff, too. If if Olivia Wilde has a coming-to-Jesus moment of sorts with all this uh, 
and after it, she goes, well, what went wrong? And she wrote down a list and went, okay, I need to do this next time, that next time, avoid this. Maybe her next movie would be better. But I don't think she's the type of person that would take responsibility and it's going to be somebody else's problem. So we'll see what happens with that ultimately. Speaking of someone who's not at fault, uh, you know, uh, last episode I was talking about Rob Schneider uh, talking about how SNL was not what it once was. And I agree with him, man. Uh, although I, I would say that it's been going on long before the uh, Kate McKinnon uh, hallelujah piano serenade of Hillary Clinton back in 2016, which was vomit-inducing. Again, if you run a piss-poor campaign and you don't campaign in middle America, that's not a national tragedy. That's just you half-assing it, Okay. And I say this as somebody who's not particularly fond of Donald Trump. I'm just saying how it is. He worked harder than Hillary and won. You pick up those electoral votes. But he was talking about how like it's gone further left and how mean-spirited uh, Alec Baldwin is uh, in his portrayal of Trump. And uh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin, who has no issues of his own right now, decided to chime in about it. And he made his own comments. And I'm thinking, you're the last asshole who should be saying anything about anybody right now. Uh, seeing how you told authorities uh, the gun just went off when that's not how guns work. Um, yeah, you need to take a powder on this one, Baldwin. Uh, but, you know, from what I understand about the Rust situation, yeah, he didn't load the gun. He probably didn't know it was loaded with a live round, but he did pull the trigger. And even if that was accidental, he should have been honest with the cops about it, uh, the authorities, but he's not because he's Alec Baldwin. And the fact that the press is asking him of Rob Schneider's opinion about this crap kind of shows you where entertainment press's mindset is. You can't com you can't criticize beloved uh, entertainment franchises anymore. Can't do that. Uh, whereas I'm kind of the opposite, man. I I will criticize anything I want, and I damn well will do that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, franchises, finally going to wrap this up, uh, the, the prop gun, I think this is the last one in existence, maybe there's like two more floating around there, the prop gun used in the original Star Wars, the Han shot first scene, and the most obviously, uh, Katina went for a pretty penny not too long ago at auction, and uh, that is something, okay, Anybody at Disney listening has got some common sense. This is what you need to do. You need to fix this. You need to do an original remastering of the original trilogy. Okay, Take it back to what it was. Because I think a lot of people don't realize is how, um, how, even before Disney got their mitts on things, George Lucas went in and added digital scenes to the original trilogy. Star Wars, Empire, and uh, Jedi. And there'd be like these weird computer graphic scenes and computer graphic creatures that weren't in the original. And one of the things he monkeyed around with was that scene where Greedo shot first instead of Han because his thing was like, well, I don't think the hero should kill unless he has to. That was kind of the charm of Han Solo. He was basically a space pirate. He was always up to no good. And he was dealing with a bunch of uh, jerks. And the fact that he, you know, went on to become somebody important in the uh, Rebel Alliance shows growth. 
But it also shows that he's a badass and he shouldn't be effed with and uh, you should have him shoot first. So, please, I tell you what, if you were to do that, if you want to have the remastered versions that you currently have on Disney+, Plus, that's fine. But for the old fogies like me, bring back the original and we'll, we'll be okay. You can do as many stupid Obi-Wan shows as you want. Just... Just leave a little something for us because, you know, we're, we're the ones that got you to the dance. We're the ones that uh, got all the action figures and movies when we were kids. So, all right. Enough griping from me. I, I got to go to bed. I got to grill some meats and drink some beer tomorrow. Until later, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.